Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rivardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson. Saquon Barkley is set to become a free agent this offseason, and the Giants have a big decision to make. He's not their only free agent. We know Daniel Jones also set to hit free agency, asking for a lot of money. The Giants may need to make some sacrifices on their roster in order to re-sign their quarterback. And could that affect Saquon Barkley and his deal and his upcoming extension with the Giants? Well, it just might, and a lot of fans are starting starting to feel like Saquon Barkley could end up being the odd man out, but how would the Giants replace the production of Saquon Barkley? Of course, we know Saquon Barkley was one of the finalists for Comeback Player of the Year, one of the best running backs in the NFL this season, went to the Pro Bowl. That's not easy to replace. You can't replace a player like that just like this, or can you? I don't know. That's the debate, and that's what we're going to go ahead and dive into today on Fireside Giants, so make sure to leave a like if you enjoy this episode and subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode. Bing. And without further ado, Alex, how are you doing today, my friend, and what are your thoughts on Saquon Barkley entering this offseason? Yeah, look, we discussed in detail yesterday, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, you know, how Daniel Jones's contract can impact what Saquon could get on the open market from the New York Giants. And from what we've seen, it seems like there's a pretty significant gap. I think the New York Post said that there's a gap between the Giants and Saquon in terms of what that salary would look like. Now, in my opinion, I'm not going above a certain number. I don't think Joe Shane is willing to go above a certain number because if you look at all the playoff teams, all the Super Bowl teams, none of them have top paid running backs. And that's not to say that Saquon isn't a super valuable player and doesn't contribute a ridiculous amount to this Giants offense, and he was a primary reason we even made it to the playoffs, but you can make a strong argument that having a wide receiver one is more valuable than an, an RB1, and I think that most would make that argument, and, and it's justified. So, you know, when it comes to replacing Saquon's production, it's difficult to do, but it's not impossible. The Giants this year, the draft class upcoming have a lot of talent at the running back position. There are some tremendous players they can replace Saquon with. Now, they're not going to be Saquon Barkley. They're not going to be a player that can turn a negative five-yard run into a 25-yard run or, you know, just slip through a crack and make it 30 yards to the end zone. Not all of them are capable of doing that. It takes a special talent like Saquon to do that. And for what it's worth, I want to get this out of the way now. I'd love to have Saquon back, but there is a red line that you have to kind of put in place. You have to draw on the sand that says, we cannot afford to pay a running back this much money. Every single big contract that's handed out to running backs ends up biting teams in the butt. Obviously, the primary example is Ezekiel Elliott. There's a couple of guys that kind of escape um, that narrative being... Um, you know, Nick Chubb, maybe even you could look at Derrick Henry. There's a ton of guys here that really help uh, their teams in a very efficient manner, very efficient way, and they are justifiably paid a lot of money. But Saquon's injury history, you look how much money he wanted. They were talking about Christian McCaffrey money. He goes out and says, you know what, I'm not actually looking at Christian McCaffrey money. I want a fair, reasonable deal. But what is fair for Saquon? You know, what is fair for a player that has two injured, riddled seasons, comes back, has over a thousand rushing yards, is a catalyst on this Giants offense, uh, but nonetheless, it's difficult to really put a price tag on him. I don't think the Giants want to go above 12, $12.5 million, given the fact that they're like, you know, after offering him $12 million and, and then his, uh, you know, agents rejecting it at, you know, the, the deadline this past season, it comes to mind that 
there may not be a lot more leeway that the Giants are willing to have when it comes to a contract extension. And we discussed how Daniel Jones getting paid a lot of money may force them into a difficult decision. Now, we know the franchise tag is $10.1 million for a running back. It's a pretty low number. But who knows if he's even willing to play at that because it's a very low number. You know, he wants 12 probably 13, 14 plus um, in free agency. So at this point with every passing day, I come to a further conclusion that he will hit free agency and the Giants are just going to have to live with seeing if another team is willing to pay him more and they're just going to have to run that risk. And I think that it's more probable than improbable at this point in time, Anthony. So when you're looking at Saquon, what he did for this team last year, but also factoring in that injuries have been prevalent in his career and, you know, can we rely on him as an everyday like workhorse running back? Do you think that paying him that much money is justifiable? And we'll talk about some different options and alternatives to replacing that type of production um, in a multitude of different ways. But obviously, that money that you pay him goes a long way elsewhere in addition. So it's a really tough discussion, but I think it's worthwhile having. 1,000%. And am I willing to pay him that money if I was in the GM chair? It's tough, and you just mentioned a lot of injury history. Production has been inconsistent due to injuries over the past few years. Yes, he looked like he was back and back in full force this past season. However, we've seen running backs have their careers start to teeter off once they get that second contract, and those are uh, running backs that have been completely healthy up until that point. Saquon Barkley hasn't been completely healthy, and now he's going to go into a second contract. What happens to his production as he begins to age over the course of the next two to three seasons? How long should the contract for Saquon Barkley be is a really valid question that stems from that are you willing to commit to him for five seasons or are you saying yes it's a long-term long-term but kind of short-term three-year extension or maybe a four-year with an out after two or three years there's so many opportunities and and different um, options for the Giants there but the injuries have to be brought into the conversation and another thing you said Alex which I thought was really interesting is that Saquon Barkley probably won't play on the uh, franchise tag because it's a very low number okay well here's something that I have from the New York Post this is Paul Paul Schwartz, quote, the Giants have little interest in having Barkley play the 2023 season on the franchise tag for $10.1 million because they are unwilling to eat up so much of their cap space on a running back. So you're saying Saquon Barkley is going to look at 10.1 as too low of a number? The Giants reportedly are looking at it as too high of a number. What they're trying to do is sign him to an extension so that that first year cap hit is similar to the one that Nick Chubb had when he signed his extension with the Browns, according to Paul Schwartz. His cap hit was somewhere below $5 million on the first year of his long-term extension and that's what the Giants want to accomplish with Saquon Barkley so they would much rather extend him for several seasons to get that initial cap hit down than play him on the franchise tag so I think that if it comes down to it the Giants can't figure out that long-term extension and get that first year cap hit down I don't think they're willing to give him the franchise tag and I think at that point they're going to be willing to let him test free agency and I think that's a way that this could shape out in a worst case scenario for Giants uh, for the Giants at Saquon Barkley so what are your thoughts on that that 10.1 million being too low for Saquon too high for the Giants and what's the uh, the alternative solution to that in your opinion Alex so I'm actually seeing something on Twitter right now. This is not regarding Saquon, but it is regarding Daniel Jones. And they're saying that, uh, according to the Draft Network, the Giants have met extensively with Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. Um, he's a really solid prospect. You know, we'll dive into him more in the, in, the, in the near future. But something to keep an eye on. You know, the Giants are scouting quarterbacks. And probably as due diligence, probably as, you know, if, if they want more than we're willing to offer, we have to have a different opportunity and I think Hendon Hooker, you know, a little bit older, coming off like an ACL injury, probably going to slip to the second round where the Giants are. 
Who knows? Maybe they go in a direction like that and see what they can do. Uh, but that's definitely a storyline that we'll keep an eye on. We'll take a look at Hendon Hooker in the, in the near future. Definitely a really good quarterback for Tennessee, but the injury is of concern. When it comes to Saquon replacing him, you go for a running back in the mid-late rounds and you get a guy who has upside. Like Isaiah Pacheco, look what he did for the Chiefs this year. So many running backs are just exploding onto the scene. You even look at what the Eagles did. Miles Sanders and Westbrook and... You know, they have so much. Boston Scott, for goodness sake, is a freaking giant killer, and I don't even know if he was drafted. There is so much talent at the running back position, and I'll go out and limb and say blocking is probably more important than having a ridiculously talented running back. If you have a be- really good offensive line, they can look make a, any running back look good. Gary Brightwell with the Eagles uh, line probably is a pretty solid player. Elijah Mitchell, sixth-round pick. San Francisco, one of the best offensive lines, one of the best run schemes in football. They make pedestrians look good at the running back position because of their blocking and scheme. If you have those two things, it doesn't matter who the hell's running the football because there's just so many gaps to run through and it's easy pickings. And ultimately, you're looking at Elijah, Elijah Mitchell, you know, like I just said with the, the 49ers, he had over a thousand yards last year in 2021. Um, and, and, you know, Saquon had the same, obviously behind a really bad offensive line. But the Giants, I don't think are like going to be building this just this ridiculous cornerstone offensive line anytime soon. They're seemingly just kind of putting the pieces together, trying to find some mid-round picks that are serviceable. It doesn't look like they're going to be the Eagles anytime. They're really just trying to build things slowly and, and they don't, they have so many needs that they can't allocate top picks and top uh, money to these interior positions like guard or whether it's center or like, you know, Evan Neal, obviously a right tackle. Hopefully he takes that Andrew Thomas type leap. But I find that, look, if you draft a running back, and, and Saquon, like, we'll look through Saquon's stats right now, and I'll tell you kind of my perspective here. And obviously, like I said before, I'd love to keep Saquon. I'm just talking about this as a kind of a devil's advocate scenario and alternatives because it is worthwhile discussing based on uh, the vibe that's going on within social media and the, the beat reporters right now. So... He had 1,312 rushing yards this year. That's the most he's had in his career. Really, really good bounce back season over five years. He's had three seasons with over 1,000 yards. So obviously, the guy's productive. You know what he can offer. He had 338 receiving yards this year, a little bit less than I thought he would have. I thought he'd probably end up close to his rookie season numbers, around 700 yards, but you know, obviously didn't happen. He was dealing with an injury the second half of the year. That I think he had a neck thing, and then he had the shoulder injury, and he was just kind of beat up a little bit. They were trying to reduce his workload. He actually didn't get that much workload in the playoffs which is interesting. Really went with more of a pass-happy offense there, which really suggests wide receiver one will be at the top of their wish list. Um, But, you know, 1,600 all-purpose yards, definitely solid. You could take a really, like a mid-round running back with upside. You know, you look at the Bills last year, the Giants wanted James Cook. The Bills ended up getting him instead. You look at a player like James Cook, he could be your starter day one. You could you could platoon him with a Gary Brightwell or, you know, a Matt Breda and just kind of roll with that. They could put together over 1,000 yards together. And, you know, you can get similar production. Let's say, like, a rookie running back with upside generates... 70% of this of the production that Saquon has, but you also were able to take that money and get a linebacker one. So, okay, so I'll ask you this, Anthony. I think that's kind of the perspective to look at right now. If you go and you draft a mid-round rookie, and for every 1,000-yard Saquon gets, this this rookie running back in the first round is a good run blocker, or a good pass blocker, rather, so that's a good thing, and he puts up 700 yards. You know, for every 1,000-yard Saquon gets, he puts up 700 yards. So let's, let's say that that's kind of the metric we're going to use here, but... He's dirt cheap, right? He's a mid-round guy, so he's only getting paid like a million dollars. So you look at what the Giants can do with that money alternatively, $14 million, that probably is Marcus Peters and David Long, you know, if not if not close to it. So you get a CB2 and an LB1 for the price of Saquon Barkley, and you get 700 yards on a, on, on a thousand that he would produce. 
in my opinion, that makes a lot of sense. Like the logic makes sense to me, but is it that clear cut? Absolutely not. It's not that clear cut. And there's a lot of other variables that go into this because with a player like Saquon comes a lot of attention that is focused on him. Um, it allows other players to have, you know, more freedom, more freedom and whether it's running routes or, uh, you know, there's less attention on them so they can kind of scheme around that. But what are your thoughts on that? You know, the money and, you know, the production that a rookie could provide, it may not be what Saquon can do, maybe not even close, but with that money, you can fill LB1 with a really solid long-term solution like David Long or a Tremaine Edmonds, and then you can go out and get a CB2 to pair with a Dory Jackson. Do you think that that's a worthwhile logic to kind of follow? I, I kind of see where you're coming from, but I think that I would kind of reshift the focus away from maybe allocating that money towards the defensive side of the ball. And I think that if you're sacrificing Saquon Barkley, the investment that gets returned needs to be on the offensive side of the ball. So whether that be for a wide receiver, or if that means you're forcing yourself into a first round pick on a wide receiver, whatever the case might be, I think taking that money and allocating it to the rest of the roster, yes, that makes sense. But also keep in mind, the Giants need to draft well. That is the number one thing. Getting rid of a guy like Saquon Barkley, you only do that if you know you can bring in the talent through the draft necessary to bring in a guy on a cheap contract like you mentioned. Because yes, you can get a mid-round rookie, a running back in the fourth or fifth round, okay, sure. But is he actually going to be good and provide you with enough production to make this loss of Saquon Barkley worthwhile? That's the question. And you can't just say, oh, any running back you throw back there is going to succeed. That's not necessarily true. Because if the Giants offensive line is still terrible, well, the only way to really mitigate a terrible offensive line would be to have a guy like Saquon Barkley who could still find yardage anyway. And a mid-round rookie probably can't do that. If you have a good offensive line in front of him, a good offensive scheme, yes, maybe he can. But just getting rid of Saquon Barkley and thinking, thinking that any mid-round rookie can pick up his slack and just go in there and make an impact, well, I think that's a little bit unreasonable. So you have to make sure that you draft well. You have to find the guy in those middle rounds that's really solid, and then you probably have to pair him with a veteran who you know is at least average in free agency and can get decent yardage on a play-by-play basis. Make that a running back by committee with that young guy, and that's kind of what the Chiefs did. The Chiefs, they drafted Clyde Edwards Eli a couple years ago. He got phased out by a mid-round rookie, but it really was running back by committee to start, and then Pacheco became the lead back. So that's kind of of a formula that you might want to follow, but with Saquon Barkley, honestly, he only found success because he's Saquon Barkley, because the interior of that offensive line was terrible, and a lot of his touchdowns came from the interior, uh, rushing through the interior, so he made a lot of those plays happen. He made a lot of those big plays, those touchdowns, they were on the shoulders of Saquon, so just expecting anybody to step in here and succeed in this Giants offense, well, it's not necessarily going to happen because it's the Giants offense. It's not Kansas City. It's not Buffalo. Those guys could step in and succeed there. And yes, I have all the utmost faith in Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, and I think that Joe Shane's going to improve this team. But when you're talking about sacrificing Saquon Barkley by not investing the money in him and investing the money elsewhere, that money needs to go directly into making that running back position still be productive. So whether that be a WR1 that opens things up in the running game or a dominant new center left guard or right guard to open things up in the running game, and then a little bit of that money trickles down to the backup running back position, that's how that needs to go in my opinion you can't just sacrifice that money invest in defense I think that the money needs to directly be invested into making the offense better I think that's the main key for the Giants here they've got to improve that offense and you're not going to do that by just letting Saquon go and then investing the money all over the team if you let Saquon go the money gets rolled right back into the offensive side of the ball so you don't really lose out on all that and have a really subpar offense going into the season keep in mind Daniel Jones he benefits from having Saquon having a check down option having a guy who he, he can hand the ball off to in crunch 
time. I mean, we saw that game against the Bears. Daniel Jones was injured. He 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 went back out there just to hand the ball off to Saquon Barkley so Saquon could carry the offense and carry the Giants to that win. So they benefit from each other. Daniel Jones is not going to be comfortable just having a significant talent drop off at that running back position throughout his whole career. He's had a superstar in Saquon unless he was injured. Then he was playing with all those backups. And remember how bad the Giants offenses were with all those backup running backs running around trying to figure it out. So it's kind of scary preparing for life after Saquon potentially because we've seen what life without Saquon looks like by all of the backup running backs that we've had from his injuries. But keep in mind, injuries need to be part of the discussion because even if we invest in Saquon Barkley, is there a guarantee that we have that superstar running back or might he get injured again? So it's a very nuanced conversation, but I don't know. I guess I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on that. If you're taking the money out of Saquon's pockets, whose are you putting it into? Where are you investing? In my opinion, you have to roll it right back into the offense. Yeah, that's totally fair. And 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 that leads me to my second point here is that the best way to you know replace the production that you're losing from Saquon is to go and get yourself a wide receiver one, guys. That's the primary thing. You know what I mean? And 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 that's what most teams do. Look what the Bills did, right? They go out and they get Stephon Diggs. They go and draft a couple mid-round running backs, you know, uh, Singletary. They have James Cook. They had Zach Moss. You know what I mean? Like, they had Naheem Hines now. It, it's you, you look at what the good teams do, and it's pretty clear-cut. You can't look away from it. Saquon, if Saquon wasn't the leader and the captain that he is and the off-the-field tangible traits that he holds, we'd be kissing him goodbye. We'd be saying goodbye. But the fact of the matter is Saquon means a lot to our actual uh, culture, and because of that, it's really hard to let him go. It's really hard to let a player like that walk, which is why I'm sitting here like I'd love to have him back, but there is a line that in the sand that you just don't cross when it comes to the financial commitments you make to a running back, and we've learned this by looking at every other team. Um, so, you know, it is a difficult conversation, but look, if you took that money, you know, theoretically, there's going to be a couple wide receivers that shake loose this year. DeAndre Hopkins could be one of them, you know. Keenan Allen could be one of them. You could take that $14 million, as you said, roll it right back into the offense, right back into that unit, go get yourself, even if it's a veteran on a two-year deal, like a Keenan Allen, like a DeAndre Hopkins, they're bona fide wide, like, top receivers. Like, they can be when they are healthy, and Hopkins is traditionally healthy, Keenan Allen not as much. Um, you know, obviously, I think that he would still be the best receiver we have on the roster by far, and that is something that Daniel Jones has really never had because Kenny Galladay was never that good for us. If you go in that direction, you have yourself a guy who can produce in that category. And the Giants, as you saw in the playoffs, are becoming a much more pass-heavy team. They don't want to run the ball that much. They didn't use Saquon that much in the postseason, which is kind of interesting. Um, I know he had 100 yards in against the Vikings, but they were just doing anything they wanted at will. The passing game is what the Giants are going to do because that's the system and the scheme that they are coming from. You know, the Chiefs, the Bills, they just... and and and. The most prominent part, and I think this is a variable we haven't even touched on, is that Daniel Jones' stats in the running game is also something that we haven't even really added into the mix here. He's a prominent piece to the running game. If you continue to expand his role in that regard, and you have a rookie running back who's a good pass blocker, you know, we can do some stuff for you. He can, you know, every 1,000-yard Saquon can get, he can give you 700. That money that you applied to a wide receiver... It, like the, the difference, the marginal difference there is 300 yards, right? All that receiver needs to do is accumulate 300 yards to make up that difference, right? If that, if now the question is, can he accumulate the same amount of touchdowns? Because Saquon had what 10 touchdowns this past season. Can a rookie running back do that? That's another variable you have to mix into it. We're just playing hypotheticals here. It's all, it's impossible to really tell what a player is going to do. We're just trying to come up with 
ways to supplement losing Saquon because it's a realistic thing to discuss right now. And it's something that, in my in my opinion, I think we should be anticipating because Daniel Jones, they're prioritizing that, obviously. And everything else is kind of second fiddle to Daniel Jones's contract right now. And then obviously, like there's other things going on, like the Hendon Hooker news I discussed before that we'll have to touch on at some point um, and why the Giants are doing that. And I think ultimately it's just being prepared, like being prepared for any scenario. If DJ walks, you got to have a backup plan. Hendon Hooker might be their backup plan. It could be a, a myriad of different things, but having uh, your preparation down and being a, and expecting any different scenario, that's what good teams do. You don't get blindsided by anything. So I'm like, I'm not looking into the Hendon Hooker news that much, but I do think it's essential they are prepared just in case DJ does leave. For Saquon's case, a lot of running backs in the mid-rounds, late rounds you can go out. There's a lot of starters that you can find in this draft class. We'll have to touch on some of those in the near future. Um, but ultimately, you take that money, roll it into wide receiver one, and you walk into the sunset and hope that they produce a lot more and somebody that fits our scheme. So I imagine you kind of feel the same way about it. I do feel the same way, and I think a good point that you made is that the Giants are clearly bringing in contingency plans. What if they can't come up with a deal with Daniel Jones? They've got some sort of contingency plan uh, being made for Daniel Jones if he does leave with Hendon Hooker, and I think they're going to start to do the same with the running back position. Saquon Barkley, listen, we all want him back. He's a superstar. We love him. Great culture guy. Great character off the field, but... The money might be, he might have to go. And so the Giants are going to have to start to figure out a solution if that is the case. If, if Saquon Barkley isn't brought back, who do they bring in? And that's the same thing with Daniel Jones. So I think any good and smart general general manager comes up with a ton of different insurance and contingency plans. And I think that's what uh, Joe Shane is doing right now with the Hendon Hooker news. And probably as we start to hear more and more about the Saquon Barkley news, you know what, Alex, I'll, I'll say... Every piece of news that I hear about the Saquon Barkley contract negotiations just seems negative every single time. Whenever we get an update, it's, oh, he rejected an offer. Oh, he doesn't want to play on the franchise tag. Oh, the Giants don't want to pay him the franchise tag money. The Giants are unwilling to meet his contract demands. It just sounds like this is stalling out and it might get into, you know, into free agency before we have a deal with Saquon Barkley if we ever get one. So, yeah, I definitely think this was a worthwhile conversation, one that we should continue to have to take a look at the possibilities here and see what life with Saquon Barkley might look like if that really does does come to fruition because it sounds like there's a chance that it might and again I want Saquon Barkley back however if the Giants are unable to make it work with their salary cap they have to start thinking about different possibilities so we might as well start thinking about them too because listen we've seen the formula to win Super Bowls it doesn't necessarily include a superstar running back in fact statistically it never does for the last 15 years so it'll be interesting to see if the Giants look at those stats as well and say hey we need to start reshaping this roster and going in a different direction but that remains to be seen it's going to be really interesting to see what happens this offseason but of course we're going to continue to update you all right here on fireside giants make sure to leave a like if you did enjoy this episode and subscribe to the channel if you are new and ring the bell so you do not miss an episode ding we'll catch you on the next one have a good one and let's go giants